everyone. Um, I'm Maya. Um, cool. I've just come to you guys from the Newtown Festival, um, hence the slight sunburn. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was a really beautiful time out there this afternoon. Really beautiful just to see the neighbourhood alive, to see um, yeah, to see my church out there engaging um, over pizza with lots of the um, yeah wide variety of who makes up Newtown. Just felt really. Um, proud and blessed to be both a Jesus follower and um, a Newtown neighbourhood person today. So that was really beautiful. A really beautiful kind of way to start, um, yeah, some of the things we're going to be thinking about and talking about tonight. Um, Over this Lenten season, we've been exploring stories of freedom um, in different spaces of our lives. And this week's um, seasonal guide, for those who um, attend a seasonal guide group, was focusing on someone's individual story, looking at um, them exploring what freedom looks like in their local neighbourhood. Um, yeah. I believe in a God that calls us to engage, um, to engage in building authentic connections with those around us, and particularly with those who find, find themselves pushed to the edges of our communities. In John 1.14, um, it describes the coming of Jesus as the word became flesh and blood, and moved into the neighbourhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, and true from start to finish. I actually looked at this passage last week with my intermediate youth group, and we couldn't really get them beyond the kind of flesh and blood and stories of accidents and trips to the hospital, Um, unfortunately. But I'm hoping that tonight we can um, get beyond that to recognise a God that is coming into a neighbourhood and an invitation for us to be following his lead and going into our neighbourhoods ourselves and experiencing with our eyes the glory that he is unfurling in those spaces. Um, For me, I grew up in a family that understood this um, call to go into the neighbourhood in a really um, locational and quite practical way. Um, It meant dinners um, and prayer services operating out of our living rooms. It meant, um, yeah, it meant for me as a kid growing up, um, playing with and including whoever came through our front door um, and just inviting them in for Sylvanian families or whatever it was. Um, Yeah, and last year I moved into Newtown um, with a team engaged in local youth work out there. Um, Some of my team's actually here, which is really lovely. Um, And this kind of neighbourhood locating and neighbourhood facing um, ministry took on a whole new dimension for me. And I kind of was learning how to do this in a space of being an adult as opposed to a kid. Um, Yeah, and I've came to realise quite a few things and um, perspectives that I held that were probably challenged through this. Um, yeah, one real um, practical outworking of this kind of community-facing vision was actually last year I had a friend come and visit our new flat. She's not a Christian friend, and um, probably the idea of a neighbourhood ministry is quite scary for her, so I thought I'd set it up well. So we were hosting something called Discipleship School at the time, which don't know if anyone here has been to Discipleship School. Um, it's pretty beautiful space for people to come and gather and pray for three weeks and learn about what it means to be a Christian in our, um, yeah, in our lives today. And so I thought, oh, I'm not scare her too much. I'll just invite her over after it finishes. And so we're kind of walking up, and I was kind of trying to explain what my new flat was looking like, kind of neighbourhood ministry. She's kind of like, ooh, what does that mean? And as we were walking up to my house, we came across some beautiful pavement chalk. And, um, yeah, big, swirly, gorgeously hot pink letters writing, welcome home, 
Jesus. And just a big arrow pointing towards my front door. And I was like, this is my house. Um, this is what neighborhood ministry might look like. <laughs> yeah, so that's just one way, and that's one of the spaces in which, um, yeah, I have experienced and explored this call for kind of neighborhood ministry. Um, yeah, the story from this week's seasonal guide really speaks to what it means to bring the kingdom into our neighborhoods and into our local communities. Um, and particularly the kind of practical ways of exploring this and being really responsive to things like injustice and bringing um, and healing and responding to pain and loneliness that we see there. Um, and what I was really reflecting on um, in kind of the lead up to this talk into this evening Um, what really hit home for me wasn't so much the freedom that our neighbourhood is experiencing, but what freedom we experience when we choose to enter into our local communities and into our local neighbourhoods. And when I was reflecting on my own journey um, and the hopes of God for um, all of us in those spaces, I found there were several kind of beliefs or even maybe illusions that that I'd been carrying that were really limiting um, a deeper engagement or even, yeah, a barrier into my neighbourhood, and um, yeah, I just was hoping to unpack some of those um, illusions tonight, um, because I don't think that it's just me who has carried these around, and then I really hope to speak some truth, um, some godly truth into those. Yeah, so um, one of the first key illusions that I, um, yeah, think works as a barrier to us discovering and bringing freedom into our neighbourhoods um, is the belief that we need to find or own our own security when we do so. Um, I'm part of a AYM house out in Newtown. Um, we look at doing youth work um, in that neighbourhood, and we recently went through the process of looking for a new flat. So the last flat, Welcome Home Jesus, was awesome. We're looking for a new space this year. Newtown market, uh, housing market's a bit of a stress, so this process was um, very exciting but also incredibly stressful. Um, but yeah, what was really important for us was that our space would allow a really big hosting lounge for our youth group to come and visit, and that it would be in our um, local neighbourhood, close to the intermediate school and close to the um, yeah, close to our youth group building. So we tentatively entered the uh, trade me searching, and um, I actually will say we found our house immediately, and it was beautiful. And I was like, this is us. Um, it was in those few blocks we'd said it was super affordable and it had a really large, beautiful living room. Um, oh, but actually so much more than that, it was really beautiful. <laughs> and um, yeah, just beautiful white ceilings, dark varnished wooden floors. Um, yeah, just newly painted, new kitchen. Um, and it, the house had actually used to be a community hall. And I just really loved the kind of symbolism of that. And I was like, God is working in this house for us. It's just pretty beautiful. And, um, and then I opened the door to the second bathroom. That was when I was really like, this is Jesus. Because I opened the door and there was a clawfoot bathtub waiting for me. And I was like, oh, Jesus has called us to the neighborhood. This is it. Um, yes, I was really excited. I just remember thinking to myself, you know, God knows what we need. And because I was pouring out just so much on these kids, he knew I needed an aesthetically pleasing house that would work as a haven for me and my mental health. <laughs> and, um, and then I could take that rest that I'd need from that neighbourhood-facing work by resting in that clawfoot bathtub with bubbles, and it was going to be beautiful. And it, the house is actually on the route that I took to uni every day, and as I was passing it, I was like, 
And she goes, this, this is us. Um, yeah, anyway, I was just so set, so settled on this house. And then, unfortunately, everyone else was really settled on that house as well, and they gave it to another group. Oh, there I was. Yeah, dejected. Um, yeah, and I was disappointed, but I was actually more disappointed than I thought I would be about that. Um, and I was definitely more disappointed than I was willing to show my flatmates and people I was moving in with. Um, instead, we got a we got a house. It's a great house. Um, it doesn't have a bathtub at all. Um, <laughs> certainly isn't what I would call beautiful. Oh, thank you. Um, and the windows of our kitchen and the windows of my bedroom look out onto the local school field where our intermediates go to school every day. So there are some beautiful, um, yeah, beautiful metaphors, but a lot of challenges to that as well. Um, yeah, I had really prided myself on my willingness to give things over to God and to sacrifice the things for the sake of youth ministry. I'd given up Friday nights and I'd given up the Sunday church evenings and given up my Easter weekend and I'd given up a life free of responsibility and commitment that you can often get at university. And he was saying that I didn't think was a big deal. A white walls and a really beautiful clawfoot bathtub and suddenly I was really mournfully disappointed and this is a little bit embarrassing. I actually shed a tear when I saw our real house. <laughs> um, I was really concerned um, about what our house would mean for my ability to rest and balance things this year. And I had a slightly unreasonable fear of perhaps losing control or maybe the ability to protect myself if things um, felt tricky or hard. Um, and I told God that I was willing to sacrifice everything. But here I was, so disappointed over losing the security offered by this house. Um, I think that choosing to engage in our neighbourhoods and with the children of God um, within them takes sacrifices. And these are opportunities to step further um, into and onto God's foundation. I knew this, but here I was placing that security with a house rather than with him. And when Jesus first calls his disciples in Matthew 4, the disciples um, need to drop their nets in order to follow him. And that really struck me when I was reading it, that Simon and Andrew are fishermen, and for them, their nets are their livelihood, and their nets are therefore their security, their major securities in life. And yet, they respond to Christ's calling and cast these things aside. And in order to pick up something infinitely greater, we do need to do the same. And it's within these spaces that we're called upon to move closer or to give over more that we recognise the hold that we have on other forms of security. A nice house isn't the security that I needed. Only God is that security. And only him is really the foundation that I needed to be building into. And so one of the first illusions that um, yeah, really has struck me in my journey, and I envision it's the same for other people, is this illusion that we need to own our own security rather than um, yeah, calling us to step more greatly into that foundation of God. So, first illusion I want us to reflect upon. The next illusion is um, one that can hold us back from true engagement in our neighbourhood, and it's the illusion of our own capabilities. And one of the beauties of working with young people is that they have the constant ability to humble you. <laughs> um, when I first began engaging with youth work, um, a few years ago, one of the first things we did is take our youth away to Easter camp, which is a massively big camp, thousand teenagers, and every night there's awesome speakers that come in and do a bit of a response time and invite um, young people who have really responded to something that's been said or really felt God speaking to them to stand up for prayer. And so it was early on in my youth work journey, 
and I was like, had my little small group there. It was my first small group that I'd ever really run. And every night they hadn't really responded to God at all, which is fine. Um, and then on one of the last nights, um, they just, for some reason, that was the night that they just all really responded. And I watched in delight when the whole group stood in response to that sermon. And I just remember thinking to myself, man, this is it. I am going to show them Jesus tonight. Um, yeah, during the prayer ministry time, it's a lot of kind of freedom for leaders to do what they need to do and to feel spirit lead in that way. And so I was like, mm, here we go. I've had practice being a young person. I've got a legacy of youth workers in my family. This is my moment for this God just to rain down through me onto these kids. And um. Yeah, it was pretty great. I had a junior leader with me who has had, um, she had zero experience in prayer ministry. She had uh, very little experience in youth work in general. She was a new Christian. Easter camp in general was bizarre to her. Prayer ministry time was the next level. She felt quite uncomfortable, quite out of her comfort zone. And I thought, all good. I'll just take you around the square. I'll just show you how it's done. We will be fine. And so um, we're on this night and the kids are standing up. And I go, this is it. My moment. God's moment, my moment. And so we, um, we go on in and, um, and I, one of the moves you can do um, in pre-ministry with young people is you get them into a bit of a group circle first, kind of arms around, kind of a bit of a sway. And I had them there and I went, Jesus, I just thanks so much for these girls. Eh? I just want to really invite you into this space. And I just want to really just, you know, kaha their courage and their response here. And I just really want to, just more than that, I just, just really want to like, Notice what the speaker was saying tonight and and just every thought of what the speaker had said that night just dropped from my mind. And I had my whole audience, I had my whole small group right there waiting for me and there I was, just couldn't remember what the speaker's name was, what he had talked about, what it was that these girls had stood up for. And I was just so there and just so not there. Um, and I was like, I don't know what to do. And so I just cried because that was the only way I could come out of the situation without, um, without losing. So there I was crying, and my junior leader, who's never been in prayer ministry, she's um, yeah, never really been in a Christian circle, just stands right up and just goes, Jesus, we're just going to pray, and just does the most beautiful prayer. She just prays, and she knows exactly what she's meant to be um, responding to. She feels really spirit-led, and all of our girls are weeping. And it is beautiful. And they're all giving their hearts to the Lord, and there I am among them just weeping. Um, (laughs) In Matthew 11, um, 25, Jesus tells of hiding wisdom and learning from those who already consider themselves wise and learned, and instead reveals them in the childlike. And this situation at this Easter camp a few years ago um, was totally that situation in action for me. My untrained, my unexperienced junior leader um, was just totally bringing our girls closer to God with everything that she had. And all I was able to contribute was just my my exposed, embarrassed vulnerability in front of the group. And that was all I had. I think this is a really common illusion in Christian culture. that the belief that we have maybe all the answers and abilities in order to answer an individual or a groups or a community's griefs. And what I really want to talk about is actually what is the truth that we are offered in those spaces? What is the actual truth behind this illusion of our own um, capabilities and 
Um, and I think that Leela Watts, or Lila Watson, the Aboriginal activist, really sums this up really beautiful when she talks about mutual liberation. It's a, quite a common quote. I don't know if you've actually heard it before, but I find it, it's a common quote, but it's really challenging. She says, if you've come to help me, then you are wasting your time. But if you've come because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let us work together. I think this false belief in our own capabilities can easily become arrogance, and it can easily become superiority or patronising. And I think that stops our ability to engage in true relationships based on mutuality or vulnerability or reconciliation and a recognition of what you have and what I have together is great. And so I feel like one of the first illusions that um, that I have realised in my own thinking um, being this sense of needing to own your own security, and I think God calls us to put his foundation in him. But I think another really important one is the sense of we, are, we think of ourselves as the only capable or the overly capable ones when actually, um, yeah, God calls us to this shared liberation that it is community and togetherness that actually um, delivers us. And I think a third um, key illusion that can stop us from meaningfully engaging in our um, communities and neighbourhoods around us um, is this um, idea that it is us that will give all this giving and as a result of that we will be drained, that we will give out our Friday nights and we'll give out doing shopping for people and we'll give out running youth groups and it will constantly be us giving out and then because of that we'll be left with nothing or we'll be left feeling really drained and um, burned out from it. But we're called to enter into neighbourhoods and to engage and build authentic relationships, not just because there are others that are needing them, but because we also need these authentic relationships in the communities that we're building. Um, over this last year, I've had the absolute privilege of engaging with a local family in my community. Um, they're a really beautiful family whom life has been really, really hard for, um, both before and after they arrived to New Zealand. And the kids come to the youth group that we run. And so uh, my flatmate and I, we, um, we try to go over there and support and help out when we can. And often this looks like taking the kids to the playground or, um, yeah, it sometimes looks like my flatmate learning how to cook um, again. Um, and, yeah, it looks like picking them up after school when their parents can't. And um, whilst I've been there, the mum of the family has often called me sister. And I just kind of had this thing of like, oh yeah, sister, that's kind of like how when I went to India, the kids called me auntie. It's just like what everyone will say and do. Or I thought, well, if not that, then maybe it's just that she doesn't really know how to pronounce my name properly, which is very valid, and therefore has been calling me sister. And maybe she got me mixed up with my flatmates, maybe we're both just sister. It could have been any of these. But um, the last time I was actually, or not the last time, but recently when I was there, um, the daughter actually translator thing for us from mum she said my mum wants you to know that she calls you sister my mum wants you to know that she calls you sister because you are our family and in New Zealand we don't have family here and so you are ours you are ours and so I call you sister still makes me really emotional Um, the depth to that the absolute acknowledgement and the gift that she just gave me in that moment. Um, 
a family for whom life is really hard for, so much harder than my life is, and for whom I struggle to know even how to help or whether I'm helping enough. And she's calling me family, and she's embracing me, and she's welcoming me in as kin. And I just think, surely this is the belonging and the freedom from isolation that we need, that you are ours, and so we call you sister. I think a really common illusion that we hold is that engaging in our neighbourhoods um, is it all about us giving out and sacrificing time of other relationships or sacrificing university work, that it's all about us giving more and more in these spaces and that this giving will be draining. And I totally was a victim of this false belief and probably that's hence why I had this belief that I needed to find my own security to protect me from this. But what I actually have discovered is that as much as I give out, I have received. And a beautiful, deep relationship. This is a gift that I tried to give to them. And as much as I gave it, I was given it right back. Matthew 10, 39. Whoever finds his or her life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus tells us again that we gain our lives by giving them away. And in giving them away, I haven't received so much more than I thought that I would. To be called sister, to be given a banquet of food by a woman who spent all day cooking it for you. These are the deep connections that we recognise and that we require. We need them too. We need that deep belonging that we try to offer our neighbourhoods. And we too are gifted infinitely by them. And we're called to build communities of the deep authentic relationships that all of us need. So... I think we hold on to an illusion of a security that we need to provide when really God is the one that provides it. And I think we hold on to this illusion that we are the capable ones when really God is the one who is capable and he just uses us in our vulnerabilities and mess. And I think, um, and I think we have this illusion that if we enter into our neighbourhoods and give up our time, we will be drained by that. But actually we are filled by that. And I just want to speak into that. When I consider the freedom that is found in the neighbourhood, I think it is a joy to witness the glory of God. I've witnessed it in the presence of my neighbours, in the inner transformation and challenge that has occurred within me, and the privilege it is to be welcomed into such a family. And I think about the crew of church members today at the Neighbourhood Festival who spent hours upon hours making pizza just to engage with people over the countertop. And this is a freedom that I wouldn't want to give up for more free time or higher university grades or more Netflix on a Friday night. Um, So tonight I've talked to the barriers that have stopped or slowed me down in engaging in my local community and the belief that I must provide my own security, the illusion that we ourselves are the capable or the Messiah and the illusion that in our neighbourhoods it is us that does all the giving. And just as the worship guys come up, I just want to open this up to each of us and to our own reflections. What are the barriers that are holding us back? Maybe it's those three that I've named and talked about and owned tonight. Maybe you have other illusions or false beliefs. And during this time of worship, I just want to invite you to ask God to reveal what barriers are stopping you from engaging more deeply, (coughs) engaging more freely in your neighbourhood. And then, and then let us invite God to call us again afresh into our neighbourhoods. Invite us into that freedom. 
and to see the glory that God revealed for those in our neighbourhoods and the glory that God reveals for us in those spaces.